Hey guys, it's me, Ishita, and today we're going to be starting the fifth chapter of Danny, the Champion of the World by Roald Dahl. So now let's get started. Chapter 5, The Secret Methods. All the best ways of poaching peasants were discovered by my old dad, my father said. My old dad studied poaching the way a scientist studies science. My father put my sandwiches on a plate and brought them over to my bunk. I put the plate on my lap and started eating. I was ravenous. Do you know how my old dad actually used to keep a flock of prime roasters in the backyard just to practice on? My father said. A roaster is very much like a peasant, you see. They are equally stupid and they like the same sorts of food. A rooster is a tamer. That's all. So whenever my dad thought of a new method of catching peasants, he tried it out on a roaster first to see if it worked. What are the best ways? I asked. My father laid a half-eaten sandwich on the edge of the sink and gazed me in silence for about 20 seconds. Promise you won't tell another soul. I promise. Now here's the thing, he said. Here's the first big secret. Ah, uh, but it's more than a secret. Danny, it's the most important discovery in the whole history of poetry. He edged a shade closer to me. His face was pale in the pale yellow glow from the lamp in the ceiling. But his eyes were shining like stars. So here it is, he said. And now suddenly his voice became soft and whispery and very private. Feasants, he whispered are crazy about reasons. Is that a big secret? That's it, he said. It may not sound very much when I say it like that, but believe me, it is. Raisins? I said. Just ordinary raisins. It's like a mania with them. You throw a few raisins on a bunch of peasants and they'll start fighting each other to get at them. My dad had discovered that 40 years ago, just as he discovered other things, as I am about to describe to you. My father paused and glanced over his shoulder, as though to make sure there's nobody at the door of the caravan listening. Method number one, he said softly, is known as the horse hair stopper. The horse hair stopper, I murmured. That's it, my father said. And the reason it's such a brilliant method is it's completely silent. There's no squacking or flapping around or anything else with the horsehair stopper when the peasant is caught. And that's mighty important because don't forget, Danny, when you're up in these woods at night and these great trees are spreading their branches high above you like black ghosts, it is so silent that you can hear a mouse moving. And somewhere near the, among it all, the keepers are waiting and listening. They are always there. Those keepers standing stony still against a tree or behind the bush with their guns at ready. What happens with the horse hair stopper? I asked. How does it work? It's very simple, he said. First, you take a few raisins and you soak them in water overnight to make them plump and soft and juicy. Then you get a bit of it, good stiff horse hair and cut up into half inch length. Horse hair? I said. Where do you get horse hair? You'll pull it out of a horse tail, of course. That's not difficult as long as you stand to one end when you're doing it so you don't get kicked. 
Go on, I said. So you cut the horse hair up to half inches in length. Then you push one of these lengths through the middle of a raisin. So there's just a tiny bit of horse hair sticking out on each side. That's all you do. You are now ready to catch up, he said. If you want to catch more than one, you prepare more raisins. Then, when the evening comes, you creep up into the woods, making sure you get there before the peasants have gone up to trees to roast. Then, you scatter the raisins, and soon along comes a peasants and gobbles it up. What happens then? I asked. Here's what my dad discovered, he said. First of all, all the horse hair makes the raisin stick in the peasant's throat. It doesn't hurt him, it simply stays there and tickles. It rather is like having a crumb stuck in your own throat. But after that, believe it or not, the peasant never moves his feet again. He becomes absolutely rooted to the spot and there he stands, pumping his silly neck up and down just like a piston and all you have to do is nip out quickly from the place when you're hiding and pick him up. Is this really true, Dad? I swear it, my father said. Once a peasant had the horse here stopper, you can turn a house pipe on them and he won't move. It's just one of those unexplainable little things, but it takes a genius to discover it. My father paused and there was a gleam of pride in his eyes as he dwelt for a moment upon the memory of his own dad, the great poaching inventor. So that's method number one, he said. What's number two, I asked. Ah, he said, number two is really a beauty. It's a flash of pure brilliance. I can't remember the day it was invented. I was just about the same age as you are now and it was a Sunday morning and my dad comes to my kitchen holding a huge white rooster in his hand. I think I've got it, he says. There's a little smile on his face and a shine of glory in his eyes and he comes in very soft and quick and puts the bird down right in the middle of the kitchen table. By golly, he says, I've got a one good this time. A good what? Mom says, looking up from the sink. Horace, take that flitty butt off my table. The rooster has a funny little paper hat over his head, like an ice cream cone upside down. And my dad is pointing it to it proudly and saying, stroke him. Go on, stroke him. Do anything you like to him. He won't move an inch. The rooster starts scratching away at the paper hat and when one of his feet but that Hat seems to be stuck on it, won't come off. Nobody in the world is going to run away once you cover its eyes. My dad says. And he starts poking the rooster with his finger and pushing it round the table. And the rooster didn't take the bit of slightest of notice. You can have this one, he says to mom. You can have it and drink its neck and dish it up for dinner as a celebration of what I've just invented. And then straight away he takes me by the arm and marches me quickly out of the door and off we go to the fields and pick up the big forest, the other side of Little Hampton, which used to belong to the Duke of Buckingham. And in less than two hours we get five lovely fat peasants with no more trouble than it takes to go out and buy them in a shop. My father paused for breath. His eyes were shining bright as his gaze back into the wonderful world of youth. But dad, he said, how do you get the paper hats over the peasant's head? 
You'll never guess it, Danny. Tell me, listen carefully, he said, glancing again over his shoulder as though he expected to see a keeper or even the Duke of Buckingham himself at the caravan door. Here's how you do it. First of all, you dig a little hole in the ground. Then you twist a piece of paper into the shape of a cone and you fit. First of all, you dig a little hole in the ground. Then you twist a piece of paper into the shape of cone and you fit into this hole. Hollow end up like a cup. Then you smear the inside of the paper cup with glue and drop it in few raisins. At the same time, you lay a trail of raisins along the ground leaping to a now the old peasants come pecking along the trail and when he gets to the hole, he pops his head inside to gobble up the raisins and the next thing he knew he's got a paper hat stuck over his eyes and he can't see a thing. Isn't that a fantastic idea, Danny? My father called it the sticky hat. Is that one you used this evening? I asked. My father nodded. How many did you get? Well... He said, looking a bit sheepish. Actually, I didn't get any. I arrived too late. By the time I got there, they were already going up to roost. That shows how out of practice I am. Was it fun all the same? Marvelous, he said. Absolutely marvelous. Just like old days. He undressed and put on his pajamas. Then he turned out the lamb in the ceiling and climbed up to his bunk. Dad, I whispered. What is it? Have you been doing this often after I've gone to sleep without me knowing it? No, he said. Tonight was the first time for nine years. When your mother died and I had to look after you by myself, I made a vow to give up poaching until you were old enough to be left alone at night. But this evening I broke my vow. I had such a tremendous longing up to go to woods again. I just couldn't stop myself. I'm very sorry I did it. Would you ever want to go again? I wouldn't mind, said. Do you mean that? He said, his voice raising in excitement. Do you really mean it? Yes, I said. So long as you tell me beforehand. You'll promise to tell me beforehand if you're going, won't you? You're quite sure you won't mind. Quite sure. Good boy, he said. And we'll have roast peas in for supper whenever you want. It's miles better than chicken. And one day, Dad, will you take me with you? Ah, uh, he said, I reckon you're just a bit young to be dodging around with there in the dark. I wouldn't want up to get peppered with the buckshot in the backside of the road. Your dad took you at the age, I said. There was a short silence. Well, we'll see how it goes, my father said. And but I'd like you to get back into the practice before I make any promises, you understand? Yes, I will. I don't want you to take with me until I'm right back in my old form. No, I said. Good night, Danny. Go to sleep now. Good night, Dad. So, guys, this was all about chapter number five. I hope you liked it. And so I'll meet you tomorrow in the next chapter. Make sure you follow it and click on the share button and share with all of your friends. I'll see you tomorrow with the next episode. Till then, take care and bye-bye.